early enough to have coffee, so I'm about that much awake. If I had two cups, I'd be that much awake. I'll let you know how it goes. Um, I was thinking, you know, we've had so much go on in life lately, and it's like I know some of the things that we've all kind of been going through, and it's like I'm either, either talking to you guys and you're going through some difficult times, or some of you are going, you know what, things are good, but there's still a lot of stress and pressure, and even though, you know, it's good stuff, it's still stress, and your body doesn't know any different. It's like when you're going through stress, whether it's because you've got to get something done for something great to happen, or you're going through stress because life is pretty difficult right now, your body's just kind of freaking out. It's not made to handle all that stress. And I thought, you know what? Everybody I'm talking to seems to be going through some kind of something. So here's something the Lord reminded me of that um, I had kind of caught on to a long time ago, but then you know how it is. It's like, God reminds you of something, you forget it, but he brought it to my remembrance, and I want to share it with you. The word says, there are three different scriptures I'm going to go through really fast, but the word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So no matter what you're going through, if you have God's very own joy in you, you have the strength to get through it. So then I thought, well, that's great. So I was really excited to hear about that. And then I thought, okay, where do I get the joy of the Lord? Is there like, is that at Walmart? Is it in the frozen food section? Is it aisle two? I never can find anything in Walmart. So where is it? And then the Lord showed me another scripture. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And so I thought, yes, that's where you get it. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. Got that. And then I was going, all right, now where do you get that? How do you get in God's presence? And then another scripture came to me. It says he indwells or he inhabits the praises of his people. So here's what I want to remind myself, and you guys can just kind of listen along with me as I'm talking to myself, because I do that on on occasion, don't I, Miles? (laughs) Don't you tell on me. But it says that he inhabits the praises of his people. So let me encourage you in this. If you're going through good times, difficult times, it doesn't matter what kind of times you're going through, praise God. And sometimes it is that sacrifice of praise that the word talks about. Sometimes you don't feel like praising God. Sometimes you can't even think of things. Your body hurts, your finances are difficult, your your relationship with your spouse, your kids, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, something, it's strained and you don't feel like praising. Let me tell you, that is when you need to praise the most, is when you don't feel like it. Start with a little thing and say, what is one One small little thing, and if you can't think of anything, well, my toe didn't fall off today. I guess I'll praise God for that. Find something. There's something you can praise God about. And then, you know what? Whether you can sing or not, I'm glad I sit on the front row because I can't sing, but I like to sing. And so nobody hears me. I can sing, and it's like God's kind of like probably has a little cotton in his ears, but he thinks it's nice that I'm trying at least. But sing to God. You can. So when you praise God, And out of your need or out of your exuberance and happiness, whatever, praise God, then you're going to have that presence. Out of that presence, you're going to have peace. You're going to have joy. You're going to have that strength you need to get you through everything that you're going through. Now, does that make sense? I think that makes sense. We'll try it. Try it and let me know. Amen. All right. Love you guys. Amen. Thanks, Trish. That was awesome. Let's give her a hand. That was awesome.
Thank you. Have you got your Bibles this morning? Thanks, Spence. Oh, it's cold even. Wow, Spencer. Gold star for you, buddy. If you got your Bibles, lift them up. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. And you guys sound great this morning. You really do. Hey, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> the guys go, thank you, Pastor. And it's like, yeah, you're welcome. You know, I, I, last week I did the series or the one-off message on Lazarus, which I thought was really powerful. I think that helped some of us. I know it helped me. This week we're doing a one-off message also. I love to teach in series because I think you can build on each week. But God, lately, you know, because I like to pray before I preach. Don't y'all think that's fantastic? I like to hear from God. I think it's a good thing. And uh, I really felt like the Lord wanted us to talk about our thought life a little bit. And so I've titled this message. I got, got the concept from another pastor, but I kind of modified it for us. And it's called, What Are You Thinking? How many of you have ever looked at someone you love and said, What are you thinking? Come on. Show me. Point at them right now. This person right here. What are you thinking? How many of you have kids? Come on. What are you thinking? Right? I mean, you're like, seriously? Are you a monkey? You don't put this and you know, come on. You know, we, we have all had times in our life, you're like, what are you thinking? Why were you doing that? And the truth is, a lot of times we don't know. We're just like, I don't know. I thought I should put the screwdriver in the socket. It looked great. It fit, you know, and, and so there are situations that we talk about our thought life, and I want you to know some of the guys, both in the Old and the New Testament, Jesus talks about, God talks about, what are we thinking, our thought life, what our thought life is about, and I want to tell you today, it's a huge thing, this is not a little thing. Now, you guys hear it every week, I think, man, this is the best message I've ever preached because it's very good. I, I'm glad I feel that way. I'm glad I feel that way because I believe that each week God wants to say something to you. And I believe this is one of these messages today that if you're, if you're not around for a few weeks and I'm not giving you permission, I will find you. But if you're not around for a while, this message, if you'll just do this, what we're going to talk about today, it changes your everything. Because the Bible says this. Look at your notes. And I'm going to go back. I'm going to jump around a little bit, Becky. Your note says this. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's Proverbs, okay? Proverbs 23, verse 7, that's the first part. It says, as a man thinks he is, or a woman, as you think you are, so you are. This is the control center of your life, okay? And at whatever you think about yourself, you will become, or you are. You act the way you think you are. So you have a lot more control in your life than you think you do. So what goes on up here is important. Some of you are like, there's nothing going on up here. Right? Somebody said amen. But, but the reality is what goes on up here is what's guiding your life. It's what's directing you. And we need to get that right. God wants us to get our thought patterns, the way we think. He wants us to get that right. But let me give you a truth today to kind of set the tone for this entire message. And here's the truth. Okay? When you get saved, when you receive Christ, God gives you a new heart. You're reborn. Born again, we call it in Christian circles. Brand new you, born again. When you die, you're going to heaven. If Jesus comes back, you're going to heaven. You're a brand new creation, the Bible tells us. But your mind is transformed over time. 
Your soul, your salvation is right now, but this doesn't change right away. How many of you know that's true? You're saved. Man, I'm saved. I'm saved, but my mind still wants to do dumb stuff. Am I the only person that feels that way? How many of you still do dumb stuff? Point at somebody that does dumb stuff, please. I want to make sure. Yeah, okay, we're just tracking, just tracking. Because what happens is salvation, boom, transformation of the mind. Paul calls it the being. We're being transformed. So it's a process. And so guess who gets to control that? Becky, I'm sorry. I'm going to jump all over the place this morning, okay? I want to clear some things up. How many of you have ever heard the term, the devil made me do it? How many of you have used that? Okay. (laughs) Thank you for your honesty, Spencer. Here's the thing. The devil can't make you do anything. The devil can influence you, and he does. He's a tempter, so he influences you. But on the other side of the equation, God can make you do stuff. He can, but he chooses not to. God gives you what we call theologically free will. You have the ability to choose. And guys, if you look Old Testament from Genesis, Adam and Eve, what did God say to them? Don't. Don't eat from the tree of good and leave. Don't choose to do that. He gave them the ability to choose. And from that point all the way up to today and until Jesus, we're going to have the ability to choose. Jesus said this. He said, choose whosoever chooses, whosoever will. You have complete free will. You can choose. So the devil will influence you, but you can choose not to follow those impulses. God Gives you opportunity. He says this. He says it this way. Choose this day who you're going to serve, Joshua said. The Lord said it another way in Deuteronomy. He said, he, actually, can, how many of you like watch game shows? Anybody? The Price is Right. How many of you have ever watched The Price is Right? I love The Price is Right. I haven't watched it in years, but I remember as a kid, I remember watching The Price is Right, and they always had the doors. Oh, what's behind door number one? And now you get to, hmm here's this new brand new washer, Right? How exciting was that? Or a new car. I like the way the dude said that, right? And, and you never knew what was behind door number one or door number two, but God does it different. He tells you what's behind door number one and door number two. Here's what he said through Moses. He says, today, choose life, door number one. Choose blessing, door number one. He said, but if you disobey me, You're going to choose door number two, which is cursing. But God is so amazing as a father. He said, choose life, choose death. But then he says this, choose life. Don't choose death and destruction. Choose my way of doing things. But you know where it all happens? Right here. Right here. How many of you have ever eaten a Twinkie? Seriously, some of y'all have not eaten a Twinkie? Sharnana, have you ever eaten a Twinkie? I'm so proud of you. Good job. Sharnana has never eaten a Twinkie. Who's got a Twinkie on him right now? Somebody? One of y'all has a Twinkie. Pop-Tart. <laughs> Ho-Ho. Come on, somebody. But, but here's the thing. Listen, and I'm not slamming the Twinkie people, and I, just, I know I pick on Twinkies, but here's the thing. There is nothing healthy about a Twinkie, Okay? 
I mean, there's no, I mean, but here's what we do as Southerners. We take a twink and go, you know what? What could make this possibly worse for us? Fry it. (laughs) Cover it in chocolate. I'm surprised there hasn't been somebody from Louisiana said, motor oil. Let's use motor oil. Just dip it in there. You know, I mean, but here's the deal. We know it's not okay, but we eat it anyway. We choose to do that, right? Because they're good. It's a deception. (laughs) Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We know. We know. And God says, choose life. Choose life. So, so thoughts are so critical that we've got to get a handle on this. And I want to just cover a couple of things, and then I'm going to give you guys some solutions to things. Here's some important thoughts about your thoughts, okay? Look at your notes, or it's on the screen. My thoughts control my life. My thoughts control my life. For as we think in our heart, so are we. That's what the Bible says. Think about it driving. Your car doesn't just do whatever it wants to do. Your brain tells your body what to do, and then your car goes does that thing. That's how God made you and I. We choose Here's the second thing. My mind is the battleground of my life. Your mind is the battleground. It's not your flesh. It's not your flesh. Decisions are made here. I have never one time in my life ever heard of or have seen anybody force feed a Twinkie to another human. Right? We choose. And so the battle is absolutely up here. Look at what Romans 7, through 23. As a matter of fact, I want to give you guys some homework this week in your Bible study time. Read Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. Paul talks about this battle that goes on. He says this, For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work within me, warring against the law of my what? My mind. He said there's a battle going on up here. And it makes me a prisoner of the law of sin that's work, at work within me. Listen to me. I'm just going to clear this up for you. Your flesh and your spirit are at war. Your spirit has been renewed. Your spirit is saved. But the rest of you isn't. The rest of you is in the process of being sanctified, okay? So, so how do we get out of this? What's the, God, what is the steps that we can take to kind of move past all this? Well, here's the good news. Our thoughts can be reset by the Spirit of God. Our thoughts can be reset by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 5 through 8 says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, let's talk about the Holy Spirit, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is what? Death. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind that's governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Man. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. This is one of the reasons why we need the Holy Spirit in our life. Paul is saying it right here. Is that your flesh and your spirit, your flesh and your mind are at war with each other. Your flesh and your spirit are at war. So you need somebody to help you. How many of you know that you need help? We need help. And so Jesus said this. 
Jesus said, it's good that I go away because I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send somebody to help you, and he's going to be with you, and he's going to be in you. Jesus told the disciples, today is the day we remember Pentecost. He said, stay where you're going, and you're going to receive power, power to be witnesses. But we also receive power to overcome the flesh because you're not strong enough. Judd and I went to lunch Friday. I love Judd. We go to lunch, and we're trying to be good about what we're eating. So we did not order the big thing of onion rings. We ordered the small one at Meacham's. Weren't we good? Give us a hand. Come on, somebody. I mean, really. We were really proud of each other, weren't we, Judd? And then we both left the two smallest onion rings on there like, oh, we can push away from that. Because we had already done our dirty work, hadn't we? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The flesh and the mind, they're, they're at battle with each other. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. We need help. And Jesus said, I know you need help, so I'm going to send him to help you. But you have to receive that help. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a handful. Please do that for me. Go ahead. You're a handful. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. Come on, go ahead. I don't know what I'm going to do with you. <laughs> listen, here's a couple of thoughts. You Listen to this, guys. You are the gatekeeper. You are the gatekeeper of your thoughts. The devil can't change your mind. He can only influence you. God chooses not to change your mind. He gives you a choice. So you decide what you think about. You decide what you think about. So here's the big question today. How do I change my thinking? Because there's two groups of people I'm talking to right now. People that have got this figured out and people that don't. This is everybody. This is all of us. Because where you think and how you think has gotten you where you are. And you're here today. Some of you are like, you know what? I need to make some changes in my life. And I believe God's going to speak to me. And he's talking to you because he knows that the changes that you want to see have to first start here. And you're looking for help. And can I tell you that's why God said talk about this today? Because he wants to help you. That's good news. That means he's listening to you. That means he loves you. And he wants to help you. So how do you change your thinking? Here's how you do this. Look at number one on your notes. I must feed my mind on truth. I must feed my mind on truth. Here's what Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. It's talking about who you hang out with. But those who deli whose delight is in the law of the Lord, notice this next sentence, and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, let me explain that to you. I want you to be honest for a second and just think about what do you spend your time watching and listening to and reading during the day? Think about that. What do you spend your time watching, listening, and reading? Okay? Okay. Now think about those inputs that are coming into your life. If those are not good inputs, what kind of output do you think you're going to get? It's not going to be good. Some of you spend too much time on Facebook. Some of you watch CNN, Fox too much. Some of you, listen, guys, listen, this is now I sound like, I sound like one of those fuddy-duddy preachers. No, I'm not one of those. 
I mean, I wore a jacket, but that's it. You know, that's where it stops. I have white socks on. No, they're black. I actually wore black socks. Yay. <laughs> I usually wear white ones. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have to watch what we're putting in here. Because if you're listening to junk and you're watching junk and you're surrounded by people, the mockers, if, you're, if that's all the input that you're getting, guys, that's what's going to come out of your life. But notice this. Listen to this next part. Because I think everybody here wants this. But the person that meditates on his law day and night, he's not talking about 24 hours a day. You know, just, I mean, he's talking about you're thinking about God. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. And listen to this next part. And whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. What? You mean, pastor, that if I'm spending time in God's word and I'm listening to good stuff and I'm watching good stuff and I'm surrounding myself with people that are giving me good input, if that's where my heart is, if that's what's going into my mind, then the end result is going to be I'm going to be like a tree planted by streams of water and my life is going to bear fruit and whatever I do prospers. Yes. That's incredible. See, the reason we don't have what we want in life is that we're feeding ourselves the wrong stuff. We're listening to the wrong stuff. And I'm not talking about locking yourself away and listening to Caleb 24 hours a day. You guys know we live in the real world. We have real jobs and we have school and work and all the things that we have in life. But, but we have to think about what we're putting in here. And let me put it to you this way. This is a way that will be, I think, easier for you to understand. When you have time, when you're not working, when you're not at school doing homework, when you're not playing football, whatever it is, what are you feeding yourself? What's going on in here? You need to be taking time to feed yourself good stuff. Otherwise, you're not going to end up where you need to be. The devil can influence you. God gives you a choice. Your life is the result of those choices. You are the culmination of your decisions. You know, the reality is, guys, you're as good as you choose to be. And and we need to all be like that woman with that issue of blood, that woman with that sickness, that we said, you know what, I just got to get to Jesus. The fact that you're here today tells me that that's what you want. That's awesome. And you're getting that. Some of you are reaching out today, and Jesus is going to meet you where you are. Why? Because he wants to. He wants to help you. Listen to this. You've heard this. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32. This is Jesus talking. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, now listen, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know, everybody say no, the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's a popular misconception in our culture. The truth will set you free. Have you ever heard that? Free at last, free at last, right? The truth. Trish and I were watching a TV show last night, and they used that part of the verse. They didn't use the first part. They used that part. We're going to know the truth, and the truth's going to set us free. TV show. 
But that's not what Jesus said. It's false. Jesus said, listen to it again. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will what? Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So here's what Jesus is saying. If you want the truth to set you free, I'm the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you hold to my teaching, if you know what I said, and you're listening to what I said, if you know me and have an intimate relationship with me, then the truth's going to set you free. It's not just the truth. It's knowing the truth. We need to know him. And that takes effort. There is nothing. Can I be honest with you guys? This body did not happen overnight. It took a lot of Twinkies. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. We don't just end up one day where we are. It's a lifetime of decisions. And I think for many of us, it's time for us to say, you know what? I'm going to do this God's way because I just told you guys, Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus said, if you want the kind of life that that you all want to have, everybody wants to have a good life, then you need to know my word and it's going to set you free. You need to, if you'll do that, if you'll learn the word, you're going to be like a tree planted by water that's going to grow fruit in season and everything you do is going to work. Everything you set your hand to is going to prosper. That's incredible. Pastor, how do I have a successful life? Do that. Pretty simple. But stuff gets in the way. We get in the way. This gets in the way. Amen? So I have to feed my mind on the truth. Here's the second thing, and I'm going to talk about this for a minute. I must take my thoughts captive. I must take, I must take my thoughts captive. Look at 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. This is Paul talking. He said, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge, there's that knowing, that knowledge of God. And we, who is we? Point around at everybody. We. He's talking to Christians. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Notice he didn't say God's going to take it captive. He said it's your responsibility. Paul is saying it's your responsibility to take these thoughts captive. Now, this is a pastor criticism, and I wrote it down in your notes. But I think you'll understand what I'm saying here. You need to think about what you're thinking about. You need to think about what are you thinking about. Here's what I mean. What is your mind dwelling on? What's going through your head? I don't think we think about that enough. I think we need to sit back and kind of take an inventory of our thought life. Brandon, I mean, think about it. What's going through our head? What what am I spending my time thinking about? Because whatever that is, is directing my life. How many of you have ever gotten up gotten out of bed or your desk or whatever, and you ended up somewhere and you don't know how you got there. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Some of y'all can't remember, and that's a whole different issue. <laughs> but but I'm, I, I'm finding myself, I know some of it has to do with my age a little bit, but I mean, I'm 52 now. And, and so sometimes I'll walk into a room and I'll go, why am I here? What, what am I doing in this place? 
But sometimes you, you find yourself in the kitchen and you're like, why am I here? Well, while I'm here, I might as well eat something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm here. Whew, need to, need to carve up a little. That was a long walk from the living room, you know? So, so, but we need to be thinking about our thought life and what our mind is dwelling on. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So is he. Had an interesting situation this week, and I told Marshall I was going to talk about this. And we're talking about our thought life and what we're thinking about. Uh, Marshall, at Christmas, I'd asked Marshall to make Trisha one of those uh, oven covers. And he makes these really cool things that sit on top of the oven. You know, he measures it out, it fits on there, and he stains it. Put our initial on there, and it's beautiful. We love it, and it makes the top of the oven look really cool. And um, we've got some guys in the house, some contractors in the house, and they've been working on stuff. And, and Thursday afternoon, Friday, I don't remember which day, uh, Trish and I had to come into town for a meeting for about three or four hours. So we came into town. We got back home, and as soon as we opened the front door, you could smell there was a fire. There was no smoke, but y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, it wasn't like, do you smell smoke? It was like we opened the door, and I immediately looked at Trisha, and I said, call Miles, call the fire department. Something's on fire. And so Trish immediately went running upstairs. I'm going through the house trying to figure out, but we're not seeing any smoke, but it, I mean, you could, it was accurate. I mean, you just, something's on fire. And we walked around to the kitchen and we're both looking and Trish looked over and we noticed one of the burners was on the fireplace. And one of the guys working had walked in was, I remember they were working on the counter and he hit it with his elbow and it turned it to melt. Well, that wooden thing that Marsha made was sitting on top. Marsha, you made it really, really well. It withstood all that for all that time. And Trish leaned down and touched the top of that wood, which is that thick, and it was like ready to combust. And I, I talked to Miles later that day, and I knew this, but I was trying to understand the formula. It takes three things for a fire. It takes fuel, which was the wood, it takes oxygen, and it takes heat. Now, I want you to know, just so you get the clear picture in your mind, that stove is sitting right below a brand-new set of cabinets on a cedar house. And it was right there. And I asked Miles, I said, Miles, why didn't this just explode? Because we flipped that thing over, and it was charred where that heat had sat there for hours and it heated that up and it never ignited. And Miles said, Dad, because of the way it was sitting on that stove, it was flush with the stove and it didn't get any oxygen, but the wood had started to just barely split. And as, he said, as soon as that oxygen would have hit that, it would have just ignited and almost exploded. That's how your thought life works. Fuel Oxygen and heat. If you interrupt that cycle at any one place, it stops the cycle. But when you don't control your thought life, you will spin out and you're going to have a fire. And I know a lot about fire. And you can get fire started, but a lot of times you can't stop it. I've been there. And I want to tell you something. When you don't take your thoughts captive, and here's what that looks like, because here's the deal. How many of you have been a Christian more than five minutes? Can I see your hands? 
Cool. Okay, so I'm talking to mature believers in here, right? Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit, how many of you know when you're about to say something or you say something and you get a, eh? You know what I'm talking about? Come on, somebody. Yeah, I, thank you. There's my amen crowd. I even brought a hanky. Right there, okay? So here's what happens. You say something or you think something and the Holy Spirit goes, eh. And what does that mean? Take that captive. Well, she's just a, right? Or he's just a, or I can't believe that a, and what happens is you're thinking, and now what's going on? You're getting ready to get a fire started, Jack. Because now you've got fuel and you've got heat. All you need is one more element. And so what happens when we don't take our thoughts captive is that our mind starts spinning out of control. You've heard the term, you can drive yourself crazy. That's how you do it. You drive yourself crazy, not by actions, but by thoughts. How many of you, let me put it to you this way. How many of you have ever tried to call your spouse or you're trying to reach somebody and you can't reach them? And here's what happens. Oh, I'm sure everything's fine. They're probably in a meeting. Is that what you think? No, aliens have abducted them, and, and, and a deer ran through them. And, you know, you start thinking about all this stuff. Your mind goes crazy because you didn't take your thought captive. And Trish said it. Good job. Your body doesn't know the difference. So you start thinking about all that stuff, and your body starts reacting to it like it's happening. And so you live out a lie, but your body thinks it's happening, and it all happens right here. So what do you do? Here's what you need to do. You might want to write this down. You need to recognize these patterns. When the Holy Spirit goes, and you realize that, you immediately stop, and you take that thought captive. That is not true. That is not real. No. And quote scripture over it if you know the situation. But you have to stop it because if you don't, you're going to have a fire. You're going to absolutely have a fire. The key to avoiding bad thoughts, I wrote this down, is to recognize patterns and redirect them. Um, I love this illustration. Okay. How many of you know what a hummingbird is? How many of you ever seen a hummingbird? How many of you feed hummingbirds? Hummingbirds are cool, aren't they? They're awesome. I like hummingbirds. How many of you have ever seen a buzzard? How many of you think buzzards are awesome? Okay, there's a couple people. They're kind of cool, somebody said. Yeah, um, I asked Ronnie R.C. Donahoe, who knows everything. I asked him first service. I said, I heard that buzzards will not eat buzzards. And he said, yeah, a buzzard will not eat a dead buzzard. That's because the buzzard looks at the other buzzard and goes, I know what you've been eating and you're nasty right? How bad do you have to be where another buzzard won't eat you, right? But here's the thing about hummingbirds and buzzards, and y'all just give me a little license here, but I think you'll understand where I'm going. Hummingbirds wake up in the morning and they go, I need to go look for something sweet. I need to go find some nectar. And that lady over there always has these nice red Kool-Aid juice boxes for me, so I'm going to go over there and see her. And say, so there they go, right? And they go over and do that. They wake up. Now, this is the truth. They wake up thinking about something sweet. 
But you know how buzzards wake up thinking about? Dude, let's go find some dead stuff. Let's go find the nastiest thing we can find and lay it down in the middle of the highway and just eat it, man. It'd be awesome. I don't know why buzzards sound like weed-filled hippies. From <laughs> That's what I think they sound like. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> I didn't do that first service. <laughs> but think about it. That's literally what they get up thinking about. Let's go find the nastiest dead thing we can and eat it. It'll be great. Can I tell you something? When you get up in the morning, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about, I'm going to go look for some good stuff? Or I'm just negative? That's the truth. Because some of you don't even like being around yourself. Because you get up in the morning. Y'all were laughing a minute ago. It ain't funny now, is it? <laughs> but that's the truth. Let me put it to you this way. Are you a hummingbird or a buzzard? I don't know anybody that wants to be a buzzard. I'd rather be an eagle. Oh, oh. But, you know, I don't want to be a buzzard. But your thought life, Marshall, your thought life is what drives you to that. You know, you're in here this morning. I'm just going to give you a silly example. Some of you might be sitting out there thinking right now, I can't believe he tells jokes in church. That is so disgusting. Right? What are you thinking about? Because here's the thing. If you're look, here's the point. If you're looking for something negative, guess what? You're going to find it. Buzzards find dead stuff. Hummingbirds find sweet stuff. What are you looking for? If you have negative thoughts in your mind, you're going to tend towards negative. We need to change the way we think. And God gives us that ability to choose that. He says, death and life, choose life. And some of you today, and I know it's a silly thing, but the truth is probably 10 years from now, you're going to remember, I don't want to be a buzzard. I'd rather be a hummingbird. But that's okay. If that's what you remember, fine. I don't want you to be a buzzard either. They are ugly and nasty. They're essential. But nobody wants to be a buzzard. And so I want you to think about that. Choose. Choose. Here's the final thing, and I'm going to close. Go ahead, Wes. Come on up, Bob. You must believe in God's amazing plan for your life. You must believe in God's amazing plan for your life. You say, well, pastor, what's that got to do with my thought life? If you wake up and you know that God's got you, that God has a plan for your life, that's your foundation. Because, hey, what do I make you say every Sunday? This is my Bible. Every word in it is, I am who it says I am. And you know what God says? 
about me and you? Truth, I know the plans that I have for you. They're good. They're not evil. And they're to give you a future and a hope. Now, some of you may be a little buzzardy right now. That's not God's plan for your life. It's not. Some, I wrote these notes, so I'm just going to read them. Some of you are thinking wrong. The truth is, sometimes you don't even like being around yourself. Today is Pentecost, where Jesus told his disciples to wait, and they would receive power to become witnesses, the power of the Spirit. Now listen, guys, this is not an Assembly of God thing or a Pentecostal thing. This is a Christian thing. The Holy Spirit is available to all of us. And he is our comforter. And he is our friend. The Bible calls him a paraclete. That's one who comes alongside you and carries your burden. The greatest promise that Jesus ever said to me, the Holy Spirit said to me, is I will never leave you. And Jesus has promised us that. But you've got to believe it. Because if you don't believe it, you're going to act that way. But it's the truth. And you need to receive that for yourself. Say, Pastor, I need help. We talked about that. If you're struggling in your thought life, it's time to allow God to have your mind, to submit to Him, to surrender. You know, I'm 52 years old and I still don't have it all figured out. But I know this is true. And I know I want to be the person God wants me to be. But I don't have to do it by myself. See, I could give you a list of here's 10 things so you'll act better. It's not about you acting better. It's not about you trying harder. It's about you being transformed. It's about you becoming who God wants you to be. And that happens when we allow him and ask him to come in and say, God, I'm going to submit my life to you. I'm going to cooperate with you. Here's my life. And we begin to read his word. And we begin to draw close to him like that woman with the issue of blood. If I can just get close to Jesus. Man, guys, can I tell you something? If you'll just stay close to Jesus, you're going to transform you're going to change. But if all you do is run over here all week long and do your thing, and then Sunday morning come back to church and for an hour and a half get Jesus, and then that's a lot of hours out here. My job, really, my job is to get you to interact with him not just here, mostly when you leave, when you're at home or with your kids and you invite Jesus in every moment. 
every moment of every day. When you're cutting hair, Jesus, this is your salon. I'm just here. You retired folks, there's no retirement in the kingdom of heaven. Spend more time in the word. Give your life and let God just work on you. You guys that are busy, Sharnan, Scott, I know how busy you guys are. You gotta make time every day and say, God, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you 15 minutes. I'm gonna give you time at lunch, but I'm gonna give you time, God. Here I am, Lord. He will transform you from the inside out. How many of you wanna be better? Can I see your hand? Is there everybody wanna be better? Yeah. This is how you do it. This is how you do it, right? This is how you do it. I love y'all. Let's pursue him. Let's pursue him and let him change us from the inside out. Let's not play church. Let's be, okay? Let's be the church. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask you in a second to enter into an attitude of prayer. Nothing magical about this. Nothing magical about the words. God sees your heart. It's a heart thing. And if you really want God to get in here and start doing some work in your life, if that's really where you are, then I'm gonna ask you to do a brave thing. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna just ask you to pray after me. You can repeat what I say or you can say what you wanna say. But here's what we're gonna say. Lord, here I am. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Transform me. Make me the person you want me to be. I am willing. I'm willing. You know, a few minutes ago, we looked over at the kids. Do you see them all with their hands up? They just get it. They just get it. Jesus said, there was one time that these little kids around Jesus, they were trying to get to him, and the disciples were like, no, no, keep the kids away. And Jesus was like, no, man, let them come over here. He, and the Bible says he put a little boy up on his lap. said, this is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You have to have faith like one of these guys. Like them. So what I'm going to ask you to do in a second is just have that faith. Say, Lord, here I am. Transform me. Make my heart your home and stay here. Amen? Let's enter into an attitude of prayer.